0: All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Stack Spring Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel DeBrock, and today I'm joined by Dan John. So, Dan, first off, thanks so much for, for jumping on. I really appreciate you making the time. Can you give a little bit of uh, an introduction for maybe those who aren't familiar with you and, and some of the work you've done in the past?
1: Well, sure. Uh, currently, I'm a senior lecturer at St. Mary's University in Twickenham, in London, uh, I'm a volunteer throws coach at Westminster College um, I just got an award for a lifetime achievement in strength and conditioning from the United Kingdom uh, I just finished my 15th book easy strength Omni book uh, have my I started coaching in 1979 I started lifting weights in 1965 uh, i've olympic lifted highland game discus through weight pentathlon american for i mean I, I coached a ton of sports i've been around a long time and uh gosh uh gosh what else um i've probably published maybe a thousand articles i don't know i keep a clean house uh i shovel my walk in the morning uh I lift weight Olympic lift three days a week. I do mobility three days a week and I walk every day and I'm doing my best to leave this planet a little bit better than I found it. That's my goal anyway.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, um, anyone who's not necessarily familiar with your work is probably maybe a little bit newer to the field. So, uh, definitely make sure you go check all that stuff out. And at the end of the podcast, we'll definitely provide like some links and all that stuff to so you guys, yeah. sure more of his work. So. But uh, I guess to dive right into it, you, you recently posted a video on YouTube and I thought it was a really powerful message that you had. So, you know, the week leading up to your, your you know, recent competition, several things came up, but you showed up and you kind of had this message around, you know, whether or not you're struggling just showing up. And I was wondering if you could kind of expand on that sort of mentality of just showing up and um, why you chose well to show
1: up on that day. Yeah, it's been a tough couple of years, Daniel. Uh I was married for 35 years to Tiffany. Um I made a tough decision a while ago to divorce her because of her, her addiction issues. Um uh, and then uh the week before the meet, she she fell down a flight of stairs. Uh and we had she had a DNR, but they didn't respect it. So my daughters had to deal with a, a whole nother week of of watching their mom just die. Uh, it would have been hard either way, of course, but to to watch it linger for seven days was difficult. I also noted that I had a leak. <laughs> Woke up to a leak in my kitchen. Uh, and there was just a, oh, I almost lost my dog. Um, he ate something and I thought I was going to put him down and I want I want to come back to dogs and strength coaches, okay? Because this is an important thing, okay? Um, Oh gosh, my daughter had just moved to North Carolina, and I had to fly her back the next day. The day she got to North Carolina, those terrorists blew up the power station, and I hope they I hope they burn in hell, and and I hope they get I hope they actually go to a real prison uh, uh, for doing that. uh, And that's it's terrible. This is the United States. We don't we don't do that kind of thing. And so it was just a, it was just a crappy, crappy week, but I'm I'm on a team, and um, I, you know I committed to go, and so I lifted, and it wasn't the best lifting in my life. I, I I did go five for six. I just kept lowering all my attempts, you know. But th- and as I was finishing up, one of my friends was there, and uh, my friend commented that, you know, this isn't this is going to be really public there's a lot of people out there struggling and suffering and uh, since I'm kind of a, I mean, I'm not a super duper public figure, but I am one, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I sell books, I do workshops. I, um, and he, he said, you should, you should share what you're going through. And I said, um, okay. But, uh, so in 1995 or six, when I was an administrator, I read this thing, the three secrets of success were show up, keep going, and ask questions. And uh, my whole life, I mean, you know, Daniel, I've been to like the Nationals, and someone would say to me at the Nationals, well, you know, if, if Daniel would have showed up, he he would have beat you. And I'd be like, well, how do you not know that on, you know, June 26th at 9 a.m. in Seattle was the Nationals? We all knew it was the Nationals. And just because they didn't show up doesn't mean I, well, Dan, we're going to give you the silver medal because, well, yeah, you won, but not every single thrower in the United States was there. So I thought, I'm not a big person for excuses at all. I mean, not even, uh, I mean, I can understand why people have excuses. Um, In fact, I was just reading a book from a friend of mine, uh, Spandex is Not Mandatory, where he talks about how how easy it is to fall into the excuses thing like um you know there was a time in my career where i was an administrator full-time administrator and a professor at a university and basically raising my you know take feeding my daughters dog and cat every single meal every day i was a you know i was a and and also training at a really really high level and uh I never once ever at a track meet or weightlifting meet ever gave an excuse for my performance because that's just, I mean, that's, so what I might have my issues, but trust me, Jen, we got gentle listeners out there right now saying, yeah, I, I, you know, he's had that week, but I've had worse weeks. And the thing is, you know, when your kids are crying or, you know, your dog just pooped on the, on the carpet, you can't just say, yeah, I'll take care of that. At least in my world, you can't, I'll take care of that later. Uh, that's, that's actually not a bad way to look at the way I see the world. I see a lot of things in life, life like dog poop on a carpet. It's better to take care of them now versus, you know, and any any kind of later at all. So it was tough. And it was, uh, it is by far the highest commented post I've ever made in my career. And I didn't do it for the comments. I didn't do it for the likes or whatever the I'm no I'm no I'm no Kardashian. I don't know if that translates you know who the Kardashians are. Uh okay. Uh, but uh you know I don't I don't feed off of my social media. I do it because I want to give back to the community. And but I thought it was an important thing to share. And I've gotten a number of emails from people who have said, you know, and they've told stories. I just had a nice conversation with a friend of mine who's burying his father next week. And the two of us were both you know, it, it, just because your just because your dad died, or or Tiffany died, or you're having a bad day, doesn't mean doesn't mean you just stop. I mean, yeah, you slow down and you 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 celebrate life and you remind yourself about what's important, but you, you keep you keep going, and that's you show up, you keep showing up, and pretty soon. Uh, I've had students ask me. I I I was a very very good student, Daniel, and people ask me, uh, you know, why why'd you get such good grades? I'd be like, I went to class, and I turned things in on time, and and if I was confused, I would ask the professor or instructor about something, and 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 everything I just said is so logical. When the first day I met Coach Mon, he was the uh, I'm a Utah State Aggie, very proud of it. the first day I said, it, I go, what's the secret to throwing the discus for? And he said, he said, lift weights three days a week, throw a discus four days a week for the next eight years. I quote that constantly to people, and everybody misses that last little bit eight years, you know? And on the other side, if it took you 40 years to get out of shape, I don't have a two day program to get you back in, in the best shape of your life. I have a three day program. So I'm not as good as many online. So that's, that's kind of why I did it. And, it. and thanks for, I do appreciate Daniel, you allowing me to share that story, because it was brutal. And it's been a tough, not a tough go for me the last few years. Um, I mean, I've had to rebuild so many aspects of my life. And um, it's not easy. You know, uh, if you did the math, and you figured out that I started lifting weights in 1965, you might be able to infer that i'm not in my 20s or 30s and trying to rebuild your life at 65 is a lot harder than it is at 35 or 55 and that's what i'm trying to do and and all the lessons i learned in the weight room i learned on the field of play uh have been the most valuable lessons for me during this what i call the dark night of the soul in my last few years um it's it's kept me going my and, I, and and thank God I, I had good coaches and good mentors that prepared me for not only the joys of life, but the tough times too.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. It's definitely tough. And I think, you know, to kind of come back to what you said initially about it being the most commented and sort of engaged post, I think one of the big reasons for that is because, you know, like you said, not because you're like looking for cloud or anything like that, but. I think that message resonates with a lot of people because as you said, we all have problems, but sometimes we forget that, you know. And so when you share about your problems, kind of makes every everyone seem a little bit more human, you know, especially on social media. It's really just a highlight reel. Everyone's life looks amazing. But then every now and then, when you just are like, Man, you know, my my wife died, or you know, my dog died or hey I, I have this major health issue now and my life has changed forever or whatever it might be you know my I lost my job I think it kind of humanizes people and people really resonate with that and especially now when everything seems very fake I think those posts and those stories allow people somewhat of a connection to individuals in a much more authentic way than just your average content about you know fitness training throwing whatever it might be and so, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. Like I've shared a couple things on my social media, and I've always noticed that those things that maybe are a little bit more personal tend to get the biggest responses as well. Probably for a very similar reason. Um, but uh, also, I did want to kind of circle back because you you asked me specifically uh, about not letting you forget about uh, dogs and strength coaches. So I'm not exactly sure where that's going, but uh, I, I definitely feel like we can kind of touch on that.
1: Well, it's well worth your time. Uh, I've been struggling. And when I say the dark, the dark night of the soul is the phrase that St. John of the Cross used He's a famous philosopher and uh, writer. And uh, I've struggled, you know, uh, at all levels, including my spiritual life, my religious life. But one of the things that's helped me a lot uh, recently is that uh, there's a wonderful it's not in every bible but it's called the book of tobit and there's this wonderful story about this archangel raphael who is in the catholic church the patron of fitness and health an archangel is the patron of fitness and health but the thing that's important is raphael when he shows up he's an angel he also has a dog with him and on through all of his adventures and he fixes everything it's a wonderful story If you do the right thing, folks, everything will get fixed in the end. That's the moral of the story. But uh, when all this came down and my dog got very ill, I thought I was gonna have to put him to sleep. I mean, he, and I thought to myself, how many people in our field, um, I'm thinking of, I mean, Chip Conrad, Rob King, These are just the first two that came to mind, how important their dog is in their life and how many gyms I've gone to where there's like, I've been to a gym with a pet squirrel. uh, But usually there's dogs. And many many of us in the fitness community uh, lean on our dogs because uh, my dog, Sirius Black, and he's at every workout. He's in most of my videos because he won't even come near me until someone says, okay, you know, know, start snatching. And then, of course, the dog comes right over, you know, as I'm grabbing the bar, you know. Start cleaning, jerking, and I've got his stinky breath in my face, you know. Um uh, and, and I, and I just thought that, uh, I'm glad I don't have to give a shout out to Sirius black, uh, but, uh, in his death, but he's fine now, but it is something, um, it's something I think a lot of us should really kind of mentally unpack those of us who are in the strength and conditioning field, because most of us have, and I've been to a lot of places, a lot of people's homes, most strength and conditioning coaches have dogs that are more family than their actual kids. And I just. I just want to throw that out to our audience. I want you. To, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's because those of us in this field are pack animals, and since we're not allowed to have wolves, dogs will just have to do, I guess.
0: It's uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. So, like one of the things that I've been looking a lot more into um, lately has been, I guess, this idea of community. Uh, not, yeah. and this sort of goes outside of just even like the S just mm-hmm. looking at your your fulfillment in life and what sort of role that stuff plays. Um, recently wrote a an article. I didn't realize this. I guess in America, every like I'm newer to America, but uh, I guess like every month there's like you know Pride Month, and last month was uh, Men's Mental Health Month, and so they have these months that are like dedicated to things. And so yeah, and, yeah
1: I mean, how much you take? Yeah, it's that's yeah, yeah. not yeah. everyone <laughs> does much. Of it.
0: So, so i didn't know about that but i found out and i was like oh i'll, I'll write an article on, on mental health and so i was writing it and like it was not surprising uh to me because it wasn't something that was new but I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily realize how critical community is and i mean a dog is absolutely part of your social connection or, or can be anyways especially if you don't necessarily have that many people and i mean if they're in the gym that can also just be like an awesome little boost where it's like maybe you're not having the best training session, but in between sets you go and you kind of pet them and you know you kind of goof around a little bit and then it can kind of pick you up a little bit. So I think that that is a really kind of interesting observation anyways.
1: Um, the phrase we use at our gym is intentional community. Every day, in fact, yeah. we have people from California this week. Every day at 9.30, I open my garage doors, back the cars out and people from literally all over the world come and train with me australia austria switzerland germany poland uh all throughout the united states and canada uh, costa rica um all over the world korea Um, and the idea is that we all get together i've got the equipment and 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 i can coach but you come in you're young and you're enthusiastic and you want to learn something i don't want to on a cold morning like we had yesterday i don't want to get out there and work out uh do you know fahrenheit or, or, or celsius
0: i know celsius but i'm starting to kind of learn fahrenheit
1: okay so it's minus two minus three celsius in my garage okay yeah, it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah and uh from for our american audience it's you know it's minus or one or two or three or four fahrenheit uh, not long ago, Parker Burns made us all laugh. He said, "Hey, it's war- It's twice as warm as it was yesterday. Today it's four degrees. Yesterday it was two. Yeah. Oh, thanks. That that makes us all warmer. Um, but you show up. I- I'm going to work out. And Mike shows up. Mike Brown shows up, and he's got he's got this new thing he learned. He shows with us. You know Erica's got this, this thing she learned uh, from Tom Fahey that she shares with us. This person shares that, that person shares this, and pretty soon the hour is over and we've all had a wonderful workout and a wonderful time. And it's but we come together on purpose, and I think that can be some of the joy of good training. Uh, if you look up my name and the phrase Coyote Point Kettlebell Club, I have a 51 page free PDF that talks about the way we did things in California at the Coyote Point. And there's nothing fancy in there. There's nothing special about anything I do. Um, My friend Dan Martin calls my approach to coaching the stone soup method. Do you know the, the great parable of stone soup? I don't think so. Do you kids learn anything anymore? All right, real fast, as fast as I can do it. Three soldiers are traveling home after a war, and they come to a village, and the villagers won't give him any food and, and and they say that's fine well uh, we have our own pot we just we're going to make stone soup and so we, they fill the pot with water from the well and they find and the guy goes i think this is a perfect soup and they start boiling the stone soup and pretty soon he tastes it and he goes oh it's going to be good but you know what i could use is some parsnips and one lady says i've got that and then he says we a little bit of onion and then all of course he keeps saying it'd be just a little bit better with a little this little that and pretty soon they have this marvelous pot of all these there's a stone on the bottom and all this food and you know it's just wonderful with all the ingredients that nobody had and my approach to coaching is stone soup i got the pot i got the water we throw the stone in you're bringing parsnips she's bringing arugula or rocket depending where you're from Uh, There's some carrots from Edna, there's, you know, and we all bring together and it becomes a marvelous tasting meal. That's my vision of how we work in community. And if I have enough of those communal workouts, that when it's time to step up on the platform, I've got people there supporting me, cheering me on. And yeah, I'm going to try to beat you, Daniel, no offense, don't take it wrong. But it's okay if you do. And it's okay. If if I win or lose, I don't care at the fact that we both we were in the struggle and the striving. And that's how I vision things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I um I was chatting with John Kylie. Do you know who John Kylie is?
1: I know uh, Rich Kylie, the Broadway singer.
0: <laughs> Not quite. So he, he's a researcher, but he was also uh, I believe, head SNC coach for Irish rugby for for a while. I don't know what he's doing now. Or if he's oh, okay. On. So
1: yeah, I yeah, I know who's doing it now. So yeah, okay. So um but anyways, he,
0: we were talking one time, and one of the things that he said that at the time, this was several years ago, I was pretty shocked with, but now I'm like, yeah, I, g- I get where you're coming from, um, was he was saying that he suspects that his athlete's belief in his program is uh, at least as important as the program itself, if not in some cases even more. And and there's definitely something to that sense of like belief and community and, and camaraderie where you know, just being around a bunch of other freaks is going to kind of turn you into a freak. And <laughs> it's that mentality that weeds people out who don't belong there. And And it's funny because, um, you know, sometimes we'll have people come into the gym and they're not very strong and they're a little intimidated and they're like, well, I'm not as strong. as..." And it's like, look, it's not about you need to be strong as us. You don't need to be as strong as us. You don't need to be as fast, as big as anything. You just need to be as serious as us. If you are serious and you come in and you help everyone else grow and you give as much as you take, that's a great team member. And uh, and I think that that's something that is really, really rare. So CrossFit, for instance, is fantastic, I think, at doing that. They're probably one of the best organizations almost at doing that, at building that community where everyone just kind of cheers for everyone else and, and does all the stuff. And they've got a really, really strong community, almost cult-like, which is kind of what you want, actually, to get better. <laughs> you know?
1: Good work. Is is CrossFit still a thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really follow it, but yeah, it's still a pretty big thing.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. yeah. <laughs>
0: but, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting, like just how how important that is. Um, and so it's 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 been pretty cool to sort of see that play out, but then also see kind of some of the research side of it. See, like you know, looking back as well, like at West Side, it's like why was West so good? You gotta, you gotta attribute at least some proportion of their, their ability to that community that they had. And so I think it's really interesting. But um, actually I wanted to talk about your, your background because you do have a pretty eclectic athletic background as you mentioned in the beginning. Um, and one of the things that I've been a lot more interested in lately is um, how field sport athletics and, and coaching a variety of different sports can kind of translate into coaching strength athletes in particular, because there's a lot of things that strength coaches, like if you're just a powerlifter or if you're just a weightlifter and that's what you're exposed to, there's a lot of stuff out there that you're just not necessarily aware of.
1: So what's the beauty of track and field? The beauty in track and field is this, and I, and this is why I always push track and field. So this is a book from 1965, uh, best of track and field from the coaching clinic. Um, if you go in there and utilize the information and strength and conditioning from 1965, it'll still be better than most of the crap you see. Here's why in track and field and swimming, there's a number or a tape measure. So you can tell me all you want about conjugate training. And in fact, I, re- I remember reading articles conjugate training, West Side training for discus throwers, West Side training for shot putters. And yet, kind of disappeared now i'm not saying conjugate training is bad at all but in track and field if the discus doesn't go farther it does it's not right but if i do something like when i first started olympic lift my throws just went boom boom meter i mean i was improving by meters uh weekly it was freaky man and so i can say for a fact that if you're a thrower the Olympic lifts are very important to you. If you're a high jumper, the snatch, if you're a, you know, I've got some of my German books here, got these bizarre looking exercises for long jumpers. But hey man, if it works, if you throw farther, run faster, it's right and it sticks around. So I think one of the oh, here's another thing. There's there's two sides, and I wanna I wanna riff on both, but this one's more important. Otis Chandler, 1948. Shot putter for Stanford University. His coach said, If you lift weights, I'll kick you off the team. Well, he snuck off campus, lifted weights, and broke the longest standing record at the time in track and field the shot put record. Ever since that day, every shot putter lifts weights because if you don't lift weights as a shot putter, you're not going to throw very far. And then high jumpers started doing it. Of course, discus throwers, all track and field started lifting weights early. Boxers wouldn't lift because they were worried it would mess with their punch. Basketball players were worried it would mess with their touch. Baseball players wouldn't do it because they were worried about, you know, their groove or whatever the hell it was. And so what happened is track and field information is so deep-rooted in our field that when I read crap online, I just laugh at it. But in sports like basketball, baseball, well, hockey was an early. There was a lot of hockey players lifting weights. Uh, I've got stuff uh, from the fifties and sixties of them lifting weights. American football started lifting weights very early. Uh, when I was young, you could play Division One football uh, pounds or kilos. Which ones do you
0: want? Of kilos.
1: Okay, you could uh, you could be a Division One uh, football player weighing eighty five to ninety kilos at about any position. Well, I mean, if those 1972 Alabama teams went on the field to play today, it would look like junior high, you know, 12-year-olds playing on the field. It would. And they were a little late to lifting, but they took it very seriously starting in the 70s. So one of the issues is we don't really have a historical body of material for a lot of sports. I mean, most sports. Uh, Doc councilman at uh, Indiana was trying to get, his swimmers to do all kinds of things he invented all these magical devices and yet really for swimming um well i mean if you do lift they just lift weights you know they don't they don't think too fancy so i'm trying to say that if you're a discus thrower you have a much better template for helping elite performance than if you come from a crappy you know, I'll, I write for, you know, like testosterone and men's health magazine. I'm embarrassed to look at some of the articles in there sometimes. You know, they'll, and I used to have a joke about muscle and fitness. You could always tell when it was a, an athlete's last year in a sport is when they're on the cover of muscle and fitness, flexing their arms. That's when I knew they would never play again because they started training like a bodybuilder instead of an athlete. I got nothing as bodybuilders, I got nothing as CrossFitters, except for, I, they're like they're the cardassians of strength and conditioning i don't need to know every single detail about every single thing you ever did in your life and good you're a vegan too god oh god there's a nightmare scenario being in a middle seat with a crossfitter on one side and a vegan on the other huh. <laughs> yeah what's the old joke about how do you know somebody's a crossfitter because you've been sitting next to them for 10 seconds because they tell you um i got nothing as power lifters Except that sport doesn't translate well into into my sports world. I mean, good for you—you got an 800-pound deadlift, but that doesn't mean you can you can stop someone trying to attack a quarterback. You might be able to, you know, one time, and then. But we need you for 60 minutes, you know. So uh, in track and field, though, I think we nailed it, and that's why, you know, I've got here. I mean, like the track and field omnibook, This is the 1971 edition. And you can go through there and see training programs that you could just look at and say, yeah, I that's what I use. Um, and if you look at like four-time Olympic gold medals in the Discus All Orders program, it's stupid simple. It's, you know, it's five sets of five bench press military squat. Uh, he called them power curls. And I want to maybe say row or deadlift, but it's very, and that's it. Four Olympic gold medals, uh, multiple world records, in a program that simple. Um, L.J. Sylvester, his best years as discus thrower was when he just got back to clean and jerk, deadlift, and bench press. That was it. You know how simple is that? Um, John Powell, who just died. Um, a whole bunch of the stuff in here. Well, um, uh, so there's. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that license plate right there? says discus that's his license plate from california from yeah so it's just you know um these are his bookends you know i have these are his journals you know i go back to his uh olympic preparation and i look at it and go yeah that makes sense whereas you know most of your audience will look at it and go it's so simple yeah i know he was on four american olympic teams and yeah so simple is pretty good uh, i look at the programs these poor kids get especially these crappy these crappy schools they'll have these workouts where they do 45 minutes of prehab they do mobility flexibility they do they do all kinds of shoulder re they got stretchy bands doing this and this and they're they're putting their fingers into the you know wall slides and all. and then they go out in the ring and they throw terribly because they never actually train they do all kinds of stuff but they never get the work done and that's the key: throwers throw, jumpers jump, lifters lift, and you got to get, you got to be a big, strong engine. And if you want to be strong, you just can't spend a lot of time doing nonsense in the weight room. You know how many girls is it going to take you to be strong in the squat? Yeah, really? that, and you'll never a, be strong. <laughs> that's definitely something
0: that I've run into for sure as a coach, where uh, even. A little bit less so with advanced guys, but even still sometimes I'll run into that with more advanced athletes where I'll send them a program and they're like, this is way less volume than I'm used to. You know, I'm used to doing a lot more this, a lot more that. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine, but let's just let's just start with this. And I was like, the main, you know, I'll be like, the main, the main things we're trying to focus on are one, we want to really dial in your technique. Two, we want to maximize your output because if we can get more out of less, that's gonna be better. Less orthopedic stress, less total fatigue. And we get more for every little thing that we do. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll try it. After about two weeks, once we've kind of ramped them up to that, the actual output they need to be at, they're like, holy fuck, this is hard. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. And, and it's like, but what's happening to your lips? They're going up. And they're like, yeah, I've been plateaued for like X amount. And it's like, yeah, but it's because you you weren't working hard enough. And you kept, instead of thinking about like the program as a whole, you just kept adding, 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 adding. adding. And it's like, You guys are doing that stuff. So same thing. Like, I I definitely agree that uh, a lot of the foam rolling stretching stuff is not necessary. It's like your training should probably be your actual, like, rehab and your preventative stuff and your orthopedic stuff, your mobility. It's like.
1: and What's hurting hurting you is that pickup game of basketball. It's not the weight room. What's hurting you is those garbage bench presses you're doing with the frat boys at the college. What's hurting you is the stupid stuff, you know. Uh, my my discus thrower, she, uh, she's very good. And her workout uh, yesterday was uh, squat snatch for twos, followed by front squats with chains for five. And then she did seven rounds of that. And when I said originally that's all, I said, this is what I want you to do. She was like, and then what? And I said, let's finish that first. Because seven sets of five in the front squat with chains is radically different then leg curl, leg extension, leg press, uh, some kind of ab machine, some kind of twisty machine. You know, it's it's real work. Yeah, yeah. Seven by five is huge. Yeah, I know. Especially I know. if you're pushing hard, <laughs> like, that's a lot. I know.
0: <laughs> so this actually is is a perfect segue, actually, to my next question. So uh, I was on your I was on your site, and you had a 2019 essay that you talked about the quadrants of dieting. And you specifically, I mean, the the basic premise or whatever was, you know, talking about what's reasonable and how that's often a lot more effective than what's, you know, quote unquote optimal. And I just kind of, I guess that was something that's was pretty pertinent to the conversation that we're having right now. And so when you are looking to dial in those variables, do you have some sort of like a, like a structure obviously like not necessarily talking about an individualized approach but from like yeah. the first principle standpoint so let's just go let's just
1: go big let's just go big the the thing most people want to do is the strict diet and the hard training program so in August I did that I did the velocity diet and Dave Turner's peaking program for Olympic lifting so in a four-week p- uh, period I want an extremely strict diet and I uh I did a peaking Olympic lifting program okay I've done that before. The last time I did that was in 2006. So it's been a minute. So my point, and you might not catch that, is that I have degrees in two different fields. I was professor at one university in religious studies and a professor at another in strength conditioning. I've written 15 books, published a thousand articles. I cook every meal, I lift weights every day. I can do it about every two decades. And yet, this week, next week, as uh, as we do this, is New Year's, and almost every person I'll meet at a party is that they're going to do a strict diet and strict training program. I don't think you can do that. I think I can do it every two years for 28 days. And at the end of the 28 days, every person I know says, thank God, because you're such a raging asshole when you do that. And I said, oh, thank you. The other there's other two other approaches. So you can do a very structured training program, but I think you need to do a very reasonable diet at the same time. I would never strict diet and do a structured training program at the same time. So a 12 week program, a six week program. um, I think when, when I mean reasonable, it would be protein, veggies, water at every meal you eat anywhere from two to six meals a day, that kind of thing so you're 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 eating and things are okay and by the way no matter whether food that's fine as you know just you know as long as you're you know you keep your calories reasonable, you can do anything flip that and say strict diet and a kind of a reasonable yeah strict diet and a reasonable training program okay so you decide to do the and by the way it's a great program the the Adkins two-week induction, uh, Phil Maffetone's, uh two-week uh, where you re- you you basically eat uh, uh, basic proteins and basic vegetables, not even fruit, to test what foods at the end of the two weeks you start adding in. Um, there's probably some other two-week diets, one-month diet. If you're doing something like that, yeah, I expect you to probably train three days a week, but in that workout, you would do push-pull, hinge-squat, load-to-carry. Three sets to eight, do some mobility and GFO. You know, get the fuck out. Um, on the other days, go for a walk because you're doing a strict diet. For most people, most of the time, I think you should train. Probably lift weights. I, I most people most time two to three times a week. Mo, like I like it to to have a full mobility workout at least once a week. I like a long walk or ride or something like that, at least once a week. So two to three days a week, weightlifting, one nice tonic stretching day, one long walk or, you know, long, slow distance thing.
0: And whatever else you
1: want to do is fine. Okay. That doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then you would eat. I like to fast. I I like to do intermittent fasting. So I fast until I work out and walk. And then I eat. I mean, my my breakfast is uh, lox, uh, salmon, eggs, uh, oatmeal with seeds and a little protein, kimchi, sauerkraut. Uh, This time of year, because the uh, citrus is good, I'll eat citrus uh, with it. And then whatever leftover vegetables I have. So my, and it's very bright meal. And then I eat another meal. I can sustain that over a year now. I've been doing that um so i would say about eight to ten months of the year eight this is yeah eight eight months of the year Reasonable eating reasonable workouts maybe a two-month period of the year and you could break that out you would do a real strict protocol like you know a peaking program uh maybe the soviet squat workout or you know just something Something that really a challenge, a challenge, maybe two weeks of the uh, two months of the year. You might want to dial down your diet, maybe New Year's or right before bikini season or right before a wedding or right before a reunion. And that's how I see the world. Eight, 10 months a year. You get the work in. Uh, I love the the, I tell people this all the time. The answer to most of your questions is three by fifty two. Three days a week you work out. 52 weeks a year so for eight to ten months of the year you get your workout in you get your walks in you get your bike ride whatever you get your mobility in and you eat reasonably if it's appropriate find a challenge like if somebody says we're gonna do the 10,000 swing challenge on january 1st good for you it's about it's about 20 days good for you go do it uh squat november i'm squat every day in november good for you you're not gonna squat every day for 365 days i guess i do the squat movement every day but i don't i don't squat squat if you know what i'm saying and then if you want to tighten down the diet you know a couple weeks a year i'm fine but this idea of the strict strict diet like you're getting ready for a hollywood you know movie thing on top of a really hard training program
0: there's no there's no
1: value in it because no one can do it though every all of our listeners no offense folks Y'all think you can, but you can't.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely interesting. The, the whole, I guess, behavior change, different models. Uh, I always try and explain to clients cause I do quite a bit of nutrition, um, coaching with a lot of my athletes and the way that I often explain it is like, you know, if you were to learn how to drive, it's like, can you check your mirror? Yes. Okay. Can you check your side mirrors? Yes. Can you. Put it in park yes can you turn your wheel left can you turn your wheel right can you signal all these things individually no problem any dummy can do it but now go on a freeway during like really heavy traffic and now try and do it and all of a sudden you're stressed out you're fucking things up you've you got to check the speed and and so now when you have to integrate it into an actual scenario that's when things can become a lot more difficult and so it's the seamless transition between being able to do everything that that tends to mess people up and so usually I talk to I talk to them from, from that perspective. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of what we're what we're looking at. But if you drive and you progress slowly over time and utilize, you know, what we can call like a graded exposure approach, after a while, like you're you're texting, you're driving with your knees while you're like, you know, checking some checkout and you're still doing a pretty fine job, like because it's just it's second nature, but it takes a long time for you to get there. And so I completely agree with, with the approach that you're talking about, where it's like, you know, start with something reasonable, you know, and whatever that is for, for each person's going to be a little bit different, but then, you know, look for a challenge. And then how did you manage that? Oh, it was way too much. Okay. Maybe scale it back a little bit, or maybe choose a different challenge. And then, you know, you slowly start to push those boundaries until you can handle more and more and you develop more skills and you become more and more competent. And, and then, you know, and I mean, like, you might look back after five or, or eight years, you know, in, in your example that you give initially, like you might look back after eight years and say, wow, the program that I'm doing now is actually pretty intense and pretty advanced compared to what I was doing eight years ago. But I don't feel like it's that much different. It still feels pretty similarly hard. And it's not really displacing me. It's not really making my life a little more difficult. It's It's pretty similar, but it took you eight years to get there or five years or whatever the fuck it is. Exactly. So, you know, so,
1: to the point that I don't even feel like I'm exercising sometimes if it's certain kind, like if we're doing a bar, uh, after weightlifting meets, I tend to do a couple of weeks is just bodybuilding. And I don't feel like I train if I'm doing presses, chin-ups, curls, those kinds of things. I don't feel like I'm actually working out. I mean, it's more like, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> and I, t- I will laugh. My, 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 my group will say it is funny to watch me do it because it's like, uh, I'll even kind of lean over sometimes the mic and think. Looking forward to working out again. It's like you just worked out for an hour. Well, you know what I mean—a workout where, you know, where I throw weights over my head and you know, and I, you know, I sweat and you know, hard and you know, yeah, you're right. It, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, and it's weird because we we know from the research the the amount needed is to, to get yourself into that, uh, statistical. Okay. So, you know, st- statistics are weird. You know how they, you know, um, they don't, just cause you smoke doesn't mean you're going to die today. It, but it's at your age, it's increased your mortality. You know, um, the amount of exercise needed per week to get the bulk of the benefits is 100 minutes. I mean, It's not unusual for me to work 100 minutes, work out 100 minutes in a single day. I don't think that's an unusual. That wouldn't be something like, oh, my God, I worked out for almost two hours is a phrase I don't think I've ever said. But 100 minutes a week is all you need. A week. Uh, I mean, I've got, I get people, I mean, I've got a couple of workouts that last 8 to 12 minutes. And I'll have people do that. And then the the rest of the half an hour in some cases, or hour is just to go for a walk. And they have better, they get better results from that than they do from some, you know, there's a how I met your mother where they go to a personal trainer and it is it's terrible how awful the personal trainer is in the show. But actually, I, I know personal trainers are act like that, you know, and really, An eight to 15 minute weight workout that takes care of business followed by a walk is far better than most of the nonsense. Most people do.
0: Yeah, it's funny actually because there was, um, I guess just kind of piggybacking on what you're talking about statistic wise. There was a a recent meta, not, not recent, maybe it was last year that came out or at least early 2022 or end of 2021, something like that. And it was talking about, um, it did a risk analysis, essentially on mortality and walking. And it found that once you get up to about seven to 10,000 steps, it's kind of where the benefits tend to peak off. But the shocking thing, and this is still something that I'm like absolutely astonished by, is if you look at the relative risk increase from smoking that that has on mortality, if you walk, that has a much much more significant reduction on mortality than smoking has in terms of the inverse which i was like there's no freaking way but then when you think about it you're like oh yeah general activity and everything that comes from inactivity and sedentary lifestyle you're like oh i can totally see that but i mean at face value you're it's, it's pretty damn startling you're like what like it, it's it's pretty wild and yeah it doesn't take that much cuz a 10,000 step walk is like what an hour hour and a half tops it's not wild.
1: well. Yeah, well, for me, yeah, for me it would be it would be in the neighborhood of an hour and change. Yeah, like, I don't know if I could knock it off in an hour. It'd be yeah, I, yeah, and so yeah, it it comes out to me to be somewhere between four and six miles. I know that's a big uh range, but it seems that's what my little my magic device tells yeah. me. So I and, right. I and it has to be right because it's magic. So. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, exactly. it's 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 pretty wild though. like I remember when I was uh, looking at that, so all my athletes, I get them to do a step count when, when it's appropriate, which is pretty much every single person who's who's willing to do it anyways. yeah, I'll get them to do a step count. We kind of gradually progress them up to getting between eight to ten thousand steps. because in my opinion, if you're not getting at least that much every day, one, there's massive health benefits from it, but then there's also like significant recovery benefits There's significant psychological benefits from it. There's significant like aerobic, uh, just aerobic health and fitness that you get from it. So it's like, it, it's, it's one of those underutilized strategies in my opinion.
1: We had a conversation along those lines. Um, so there's a movie called Saturday night fever and there's another one called animal house, late 1970s movies. Uh, um, Oh yeah. Those are classics. But look at the body types in the movies. Um, uh, everybody's so much leaner and, uh, I mean, I just remember in college, uh, in fact, her name was Pam. I I went out to take Pam on a date and she says, Where's your car? And I went, Well, I'm an athlete. We don't, we don't have cars. We we walk everywhere. And it was just interesting because now I go and I go to my, I go to Utah State and I was talking to one of them, and they drive from their dorm to practice. A track and field athlete takes their car from their dorm to the stadium for practice. And I'm like, and, and I don't really know if that helps you throw farther or not. I really, I can't, but I know this. I mean, I was a lot leaner. I was a lot leaner in this thrower. And the other thing too is I threw, you know, meters better, right? Uh, I, I threw 12 meters farther than this particular person. And 12 meters in the discus is uh, a that long is. Race. That it, is a lot. Yeah. You might want to listen to the old guy, you know, who threw 12 meters farther than you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Like I also it, it seems like once you reach a certain point in your athletic ability, you know you reach kind of that early advanced stage into kind of international elite level. And there's not really a whole lot else you can do as far as your programming. like you're 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 checking off all the boxes, your programming is solid, you're working super hard. like you're doing everything that you can do. And then at that point it becomes like okay well where else can I start to look like what other stones can I turn up and then that's where you know the nutrition side of things become really important and I mean I feel like I've covered a lot of that stuff already and so now I'm actually kind of bridging into other aspects so like quality of life like that's something I've actually been working on a lot with just athletes and I know that is well outside the scope of coaching but it is something that I talk about I'm like hey like how do you feel just in general like how's your quality of life are you happy yeah, are you stressed fast- just- fast-
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, All that stuff. This room right there uh, is a. I have a sauna here uh, next to my office, and I sauna and meditate every day. And I wish, in hindsight, I would have sauna. Well, I did in college, actually. I did steam room uh, and sauna, but I wasn't very good at meditation. And so, and I wish I'd have taught myself to fall asleep on command, uh, like I teach my athletes now, so that on a bus ride we're going, I'm so bored. You just close your eyes and sleep for a little bit, which uh, food. I mean, we were always looking for the next magic supplement. And the truth is the magic supplements are fiber, fermented food, vegetables. There's your magic foods. Uh, If if you get your protein in, you're know you drinking water every few seconds. There's your magic food right there. You know, it's just uh, the secret is no secret. I talk about it in my new book. Uh, It's a story I heard when I was young and I still use it. There's a village where the men control everything, and the reason the men control everything is because the women don't know the secret. And when a boy becomes of age, they take him out of the village, beat the living hell out of him, torture him, do all these things, you know, give him scars, and at the end of that ordeal, they lean over and say, there is no secret. The secret is there is no secret. And the answer to most things in fitness, in fitness, health longevity performance body composition is there's no secret and yet because of social media we are back to the 1950s the 1940s 1930s with the same kind of hucksters showing up again uh, with all the nonsense and it's it's very difficult for me to watch it happen you know um, uh, somebody told me suzanne summers probably makes more money with her th- she still sells the Thigh Master. That's that little spring device that you squeeze your knees together. I remember
0: that? That was the infomercial. Uh, yes, a long, long time ago. Yeah, still
1: makes a boatload of money on it. Uh, she tells her followers, "I get, you know, six different injections every day, but they're still thinking it's." You know, when you find out, I mean, when you find out that all these people you know are on massive amounts of uh, human growth hormone and anabolics. Uh, there's something called Clin that the girls use and. Yeah, there's another eat clean. huh? Anavar, Trent Trent and oh Anavar Anavar still on yeah.
0: Um, there's there's a and, lot yeah.
1: And if you're on those drugs, it doesn't matter whether it's five sets of two or five sets of three. Now you are going to pay a high price. And my my response is this: I don't give a shit what you take. Never have, never will. But when you're dying. I don't want to hear that you discovered some God or you're and now you're religious. Don't email me and apologize for cheating when you competed against me. I get those emails a lot. Uh, and I just, you know, die, just die like a, like die standing up, you know, don't suddenly turn. You made those decisions. Go with it. You know?
0: Yeah yeah well yeah it's easy it's easy to make those decisions when you don't have to pay the consequences or when the consequences are well in the future and it's hard to hard to think about it yeah that's uh <laughs> it's that's that's a whole another can of worms it's kind of interesting um, but as far as um, as far as the podcast goes uh, we're kind of coming up on that hour mark so I want to be respectful of your time um, can you, before we kind of get into, uh, any of the promotional stuff, where people can find you, can you just offer some, some kind of practical takeaways for the listeners from our discussion from today? Well,
1: the hardest thing to, to, to really help yourself on this journey to health, fitness, longevity, performance, body comp is that the, there is no secret. The secret is there's no secret. So if possible, if you can train two to five days a week. You can pick two to five exercises. Uh, I always tell people two to five sets, two to five reps. Uh, try to get yourself stronger. Try to do, um, try to do. I always say push, pull, hinge, squat, loaded carry. You know, try try to do the basics, the the fundamentals. Um, for God's sakes, drink water, eat protein at every meal, eat vegetables at every meal. Find ways to improve your sleep and recovery abilities. And what I just said is so vanilla and so boring, but it's all true. Um, if you can, try to get yourself in a situation where you work out, for example, the 3x52 method. But whatever it is, try to, have, try to bank 160 workouts in a year. Uh, think more, you know, take a little piece of paper and just strike every time you get one in. Uh, once you slide up, I think I'm probably, I don't know, probably 250, 260 workouts a year, 270, probably even higher. Yeah, probably even higher a year, probably sneak it up on 300 a year. Um, the reason I still compete as an athlete is because of those two to 300 workouts I'm doing every year. Not one of them, not one of them sends me to the top of the heat. Not the worst workout of the year, still the workout. I got it in, and I always argue that of five workouts, one will be the kind I would want to post on social media, one is so bad, I'm embarrassed to be part of the human race, and the other three are just, I got in, did the work, went home, and I'm convinced it's those, those three, the ones where I just got in, got the work, and went home, those are the ones that made me progress the most over time. It's a simple formula. Uh, like I said, I've been lifting since 1965. Um, I... I am 65, uh, and I think if you want to, if you really want to be as strong as you can, as long as you can, um, take it as serious, just do it like everything else in your life, slow and steady, you know, um, little and often over the long haul is what we're taught at Utah State.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So where can people find you?
1: Well, we're having problems with my old site. Uh it's 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 the we put it on an old style server and it's just falling apart. Uh, but danjohnuniversity.com is the best place to find my stuff. It is a paid site, but you get a free membership for a few days. If most of your listeners just use the workout generator, all their dreams will come true. Uh there is a danjohn.net, but like I say, we're we're quickly Trying to find another way to house it because it's just, it's an old, it's an, have been online writing articles and stuff since 1998, and the hardest thing to learn is that the more crap they put on it, the less things stay. Uh, my I, I learned HTML code from my first websites, and that stuff is still perfect. It doesn't move. It looks good. All this fancy plugins and all this other nonsense uh, just doesn't work well. DanJohnUniversity.com uh, on Instagram, Coach Dan John, uh, YouTube. I think it's just Dan John, but they're they're really easy to find. Just type in my name and trust me. Just type in Dan John. You'll find more crap than you'll ever need. Or you'll you'll be busy reading for days and think wonder if I'll ever shut up, which I don't.
0: Awesome. So all that stuff's going to be linked up in the show notes, guys. That's the uh, the university, the uh, danjohn.net, Instagram, and YouTube. There's tons of content. Make sure you go uh, give him a follow on all of his channels. Check out his website. He puts out lots and lots of really great resources on a very regular basis. And there is a very deep catalog on all of these as well because he's been in the business for a very long time um dan thanks so much for jumping on man i really appreciate uh, hey, you
1: easy and uh, you reached out to me on on instagram is that right yep yeah and folks i do answer and daniel will tell you that i answer every email every question i answer them all uh and i'm honored to do it because i i just want to shout out to my mentors uh many of them are no longer with us coach lahati coach mon dick knotmeyers 93 Uh, Jim Schmitz and they put up with all my idiocy. So I put up with all of yours. Okay.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. And this
1: is a nice system. I like this. Thank you.